This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, where conversation with creative people is alive and well. If you're feeling stuck professionally and trying to find your way to greater career satisfaction, you came to the right place because today's guest is all about that. Her name is Tammy Guler Loeb, a career and executive coach with a new book called Work from the Inside Out. Break through nine common obstacles and design a career that fulfills you. Having Tammy join me now, as the shutdown impact of the pandemic is waning, makes great sense because for so many, it's reinvention time. Tammy's book and advice can certainly help. So let's settle back and learn from the lady who's teaching us how to work from the inside out as we welcome Tammy Guler Loeb to join us on mic. So, Tammy, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, let's start with you and the fact that you've written this book, and it's really, really in-depth and fun and practical and helpful, but there has to be an impetus. What's the impetus for you to move in this direction? The impetus for me to move in this direction, work from the inside out, is that many people who have crossed my path, and I think it's probably true for many of us, is we find we reach a point in our lives where we're going to work every day and we're saying ho-hum or meh, it may, I make a living, but is that really how I want to be spending all my time? And yet we get trapped in things like a lifestyle, a, a certain living, we have responsibilities, or we reach a certain point in our lives where we think, we, we talk ourselves in and out of things like, it's too late, I'm too old, I couldn't possibly go back to school, or I couldn't afford to do this or that. And I, I hear this from people all the time in my coaching practice, and I hear it in my personal life. And so the impetus for the book is to say, it's possible to really work from the inside out, to work from a place that's more fulfilling and meaningful to you as a person, to still make that living you need to make, to take care of all those practical things you need to take care of, while still finding yourself spending the better part of your waking hours and the best years of your life doing something that really feels good to you. It doesn't have to even be your dream job. It doesn't have to be your passions. It could just be something that just feels good and feels right. This couldn't be a better time with so many people re-examining their lives following this world-shattering event, the pandemic. As we yeah. record this in April of 2022, people are getting back to work, but in a different work mode, a different way right. of working. And so we'll get into that. But the, yeah. the concept of inside out, let's explore that because that's really the, the theme here. And yeah. Uh, I don't know if you put a trademark on it, but you could uh, with all the research you've done into it. Explain inside out overall for us. So inside out means that when we make decisions about certain directions in our lives, and I, I, of course, focus on career and work, but I also focus on things that might be just meaningful activities. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be what you do for your livelihood. It could be something else that you spend significant hours doing. But Oftentimes, when we think about something we really want to do, there's, there's a little voice in our head, whether it's explicitly we're hearing voices or, or just, you know, a feeling, a visceral feeling, right? Something that just tells us, gee, that, that's something I'm attracted to. There's either energy around it or, or there is literally a voice in our head saying, that really looks appealing to me or that feels right to me. And how often do we brush that aside or ignore that. And what would we call that? We might call that our intuition. 
We might call that an instinct. I mean, we even have expressions in our language for that. You know, I should have listened to my intuition on this or that. And we often have that 2020 hindsight experience of saying, why did I not listen to myself? And then we have some element of regret around something. So oftentimes, if we had listened to that voice and followed it, it doesn't mean that you have to follow it exactly to the T, but even just let that take us to some place that probably is going to lead you to a place that that better aligns with who you are and suits you. And that's going to take you to a place where you're probably going to be a happier person day to day. Indeed. And if you're a happier person day to day, guess how, what kind of impact that has on the people around you? Huge. And uh, the one stumbling block is a big one, beginning with F, F-E-A-R, fear. And you address that. Yes. I love the acronym that everybody should know, false evidence appearing real. But that's easy to say when you're facing the <laughs> saber-toothed tiger and he's clawing yeah. at you. But let's talk a little bit about that, that major yeah. stumbling block and how you yeah. address it. Uh, I, I talk it, about it in the book right right from the very beginning, chapter one. I talk about fear, friend or foe, because a lot of times we, by nature as human beings, we feel we feel fear. Um, it's, it's, an in, it's actually another part of our instincts mm-hmm. is to be afraid or uh, there's all kinds of neuroscience. You know, the amygdala gets triggered and we, we have that fight or flight response. So sometimes it's triggered by, oh, this is something new. I'm not as familiar with this. Or I, I don't, you know, you start to doubt, could I do this? Could I not do this? And so it triggers some doubts or, or, or just uh, a jittery feeling inside. And, and sometimes we're taught to be afraid, right? So there's lessons we've learned over the years. Don't take risks, you know. Just get a job that pays a salary and be satisfied with that and don't wish for more. Um, So there's all kinds of things that will trigger a fear response and oftentimes that will paralyze us. So fear can drive a lot of our actions and our decisions, right? So when we talk about friend or foe or I talk about friend or foe, I think of it this way. Oftentimes, when I've gotten really excited about something that also feels maybe a little challenging, but also intriguing, I get this sort of feeling inside of me. My, my body might even feel a little vibration or something. But to me, that fear is what propels me into thinking, gee, this is not just a little bit of fear. This is excitement because fear and excitement can feel like the same thing. And I see that as a sign as something I should probably take a closer look at and at mm. least consider. So interesting because as a teacher of, of voice and acting, one of the things I have to deal with is the fear that people have, the stage fright that's so well documented. And I use the same connection between adrenaline and energy yes. and fear. It's exciting. Uh, you are no, on edge, but it's a good edge to be on. And it, it takes time yes. and an effort to get into that mindset, but so much of this work is about mindset. Oh, it's and yeah. and we'll get into some specifics. But uh, the subtitle of the book is "Break Through Nine Common Obstacles and Design a Career That Fulfills You." So I want to run through some of them. The first one is age. <laughs> yeah, and uh, men and women of a certain age, and that's you and me, and many of our listeners, most of them, 
because we're in the in the majority now, are yeah. are dealing with still the pressures. Years ago, I had the great honor and pleasure of interviewing one of my favorite people, a, a true superhero, Jack LaLanne. And he was 95 and still swimming in the harbor and pulling a tugboat with his teeth. I mean, you know. <laughs> A little bit overbearing for most people, too much to handle. But that kind of inspiration was rare back then. But today, there are people in their 80s, 90s and above still active, still producing, still creating legacy. So how do we handle the age issue? Well, there's a number of ways. I I will give I'll I'll give just a tidbit that I a couple of years ago helped uh, a 70 year old woman secure a full time job. And I think a lot of people, when they reach even that age, wouldn't even consider thinking of themselves as working full time unless they're already in a job. But I I hear this all the time. Oh, it's too late for me. I'm too old. It's too late to go back to school. I don't want to start all over again. And I hear that from people who are far younger, far, far younger. Mm. Um, So I think people have a mindset around what what at what certain age you should be learning and then when you're supposed to know it all there's a lot of ageism out there so there's there's a number of things that people are encountering both the internal dialogue around what they think they should or shouldn't be doing by a certain age or stage in their lives and so they've they've kind of pigeonholed themselves into a narrative or a scenario of where they should be but then there are the realities of ageism in the workforce and ageism in the marketplace. And so I think that's loosening up a little bit right now in 2022 because there are a lot of employers out there who are really needing mm. uh, very skilled and reliable employees. So it's changing a little bit. But I would say that there's still ageism and it's very subtle. And and I hear people all the time, very concerned people, you know, in their late 40s, mid 40s to 50s and 60s looking for their next role. And they are very concerned that they will be eliminated from consideration based on their age for a whole lot of reasons. You know, they they make the assumptions. And I always say, be careful what you assume about. Yes. yes. Um, and uh, and yet things like, oh, you know, the employer won't want me because I'm going to I'm going to ask for too much money or or maybe they're a little suspicious because I used to run a company and now I just want to go in mm. and, and work and make a contribution. So there are people who reach a certain point where they still want to be productive, but they don't want to be the rainmaker anymore. And it gets very hard to find a way to kind of explain who you are and what you want to be doing because it doesn't fit a mold that was was created already. I do think you're right. I think things are changing for the better. And, and again, yeah. the circumstances we find ourselves in now where labor is short and we need experienced and skilled people, age doesn't matter as much. Another, big, as much. Is, another big issue that Tammy Guler-Loeb uh, raises, and this is... <laughs> Who doesn't escape this? And we all deal with this, and that's the responsibilities we have. Yes. Oh, I want to become uh, in my second life a novelist. Well, how do you pay the electric bill, Mister? Right. How do you do that? So right. this is th- these are real world issues that you help us with practically in the work you yeah. do. Yeah. So uh, one thing that that is threaded throughout the book are profiles, stories of people who have actually 
overcome these obstacles. And in that particular chapter, I profile two different people. One is a gentleman who was, and still is, married with a couple of children. And he had been working a regular corporate job. And he and his wife had dreams of opening up a bread bakery. And, you know, there are a lot of people with a couple of young children who probably wouldn't necessarily want to buy a business and start baking bread. And that's exactly what he and his wife did. But it took seven years before they opened up that bakery. They were very measured and planful about it. So as our as our friend Dory Clark says, it's the long game. Yes. She she wrote a book recently about former, the long game. And former I think, guest here as well on the podcast. Yes. Lovely gal. Lovely gal. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about the long game and about the notion that we're not talking about going from A to Z. We're talking about all those letters in between. So that's that's one scenario. Uh, you know, a married couple, a couple of young children still have their futures ahead of them and were able to open up a bread bakery, but they planned it and they did it incrementally. Um, he started baking bread on the weekends, actually in a stone oven he built himself in his backyard in Saskatchewan. Mm. So that was, was a great story. The other scenario I just want to share quickly sure. was, a sing, was a single parent, a single parent who adopted an eight-year-old boy from a foreign country. She had been an investigative journalist, decided to um, complete that career, moved to Florida, and dreamt of owning up owning her own coffee shop. And did that and was able to open up her own coffee shop. I wanted to stay on the scenario bit because one of the early ones is probably the most dramatic. And that is the the man of the cloth who became yes. the man of the FBI badge. Uh, yeah. and, uh, that that share the little bit of that, because of all the stories, that's the one that resonates. Wow. What a what a shift. Yeah. <laughs> what a move. So, yeah. Chip Massey um, is a. Uh, extraordinary gentleman. He he started his career, um, he grew up on a farm actually, and and then started his career as a minister and did that for seven years. And he found it very, very fulfilling. But there was just this this little voice in his head that just started to say after maybe, I think he said after a couple of years and it got louder and louder and I think when he hit about year five or six, he said, you know, I, 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 there's something else I need to do. And he, he also said that there was a movie um, that he saw that really resonated with him. It was a Gene Hackman movie. Mississippi um, Burning, I believe. It's, Mississippi yeah, Burning. Very dramatic and, and important right, story about the, right. the FBI Civil in the rights. South. Yeah. And he said that really struck him. And I think that stayed with him. And he said, I've, I've got to make more of a mark in some way. And he decided to look into joining the FBI. And he talked to people that he knew, people he didn't know. He, he did some investigating, again, a process. He did some investigating. He talked to somebody I think he knew or found through a connection, someone who was retired from the Bureau, someone he was able to talk to who worked for the Bureau, learned a little more about it. He applied. He went through the training at Quantico. This took over a year to make this all happen. 
And then he was one of the few and the brave who made it through the training, which mm. is definitely not for the faint of heart. And then he had a, a very uh, long career doing things like um, talking um, fugitives off the street mm-hmm. to, to surrender and working some espionage cases. He worked in the D.C. Bureau and the New York City Bureau. He took on a leadership role in the New York City Bureau. He's now retired, but the he's retired from the Bureau, but he now has his own practice uh, focusing on the topic of fear, actually, because a big part of his work, both as a minister and working for the Bureau, had to do with helping people deal with their fear, even talking a fugitive off the street. He knew how to talk somebody through their fear and get them to surrender. Mm. Now he works with executives and working them through their fear to help them become better leaders. It's really interesting, that story and many other case histories in the book, Work from the Inside Out by Tammy Guler Loeb. And um, the theme that I take away from all of it is that sense of self-reflection that people gave themselves an opportunity to do. And as you point out, so many people are afraid to even do that, or they blame being busy. And being busy is not a excuse that we are busy. There's no question about that. I wanted to um, jump around a little bit and talk about a few other aspects. We'll also promote your very fine podcast that uh, is a great companion to this. Uh, I dog-eared pages. I do that a lot. My wife yells at me for doing that, but it's my book, so I can do whatever I want, right? Yeah, it is your book, and I'm <laughs> delighted that you dog-eared it. That that makes me happy. And this is this might not be the most uh, groundbreaking, but I thought this was interesting. Ditch the pitch, create your branding statement. Everyone talks about you got to have an elevator pitch. You've got to be able to state in a few words what you are and be brief and get in and get out. But I love the idea that uh, there's more to that, and the branding – as you see it, explain what you mean by that. Well, you know, I've I've sat in on a lot of workshops. I probably even taught some of them years ago. And where you give people a very quick formula and then they recite in a very sing-song way a couple of sentences about what kind of professional they are, what kind of opportunities they're looking for. And I've been to a lot of networking meetings where people will stand up and they'll they'll say, you know, here's my background, here are the opportunities I'm looking for, and I'd appreciate any referrals, and then they plop back down in their seat. <laughs> and and it just, um, and yet it's called an elevator pitch, and I'm thinking, who talks on elevators anyway? Um, <laughs> but but it, it just, to me, feels like it's it doesn't feel, it doesn't give you a feeling of what would this person be like to work with? What value do they really bring? to the job, Mm. you know, and I think who gets hired, the people who get hired are the people who can convey who they are on the job. What would they be like to work with and what value are they going to bring to the organization? Also, do, do you focus on this? And I think you do the importance of remembering that you bring more to your work life than just the qualifications for the job itself. And I go back to the minister becoming the FBI agent. His skill sets, his, Mm. I want to call it God-inspired skill sets, Mm. enabled him to be a better agent and now to be a better consultant. And all of, we are composites of a lot of stuff, not just 
today's resume. Absolutely. And thinking about, you know, Jordan, you and I are here in the Boston area. Everyone's overeducated here. You know, we all have a million degrees and we have skills and credentials. And so you think about some of these highly competitive markets like the one here in the Boston area. And there are a ton of people who have a resume that looks stellar. But then you have to really take another look under the hood and say, Mm. how does that engine run, right? How do they operate? How do they engage? What are they, like I said before, what do they like to work with? Because. So can we take this to the pragmatic level and address the listeners who are wondering, well, what what can I do to enhance my branding? Give us a couple of uh, Tammy tips here. I just made that up. Sure. Sure. So one of the things, it's, and it's hard to take a look at yourself in the mirror and figure this all out alone. One, one thing that I, that I emphasize uh, strongly in the book and wherever anyone will listen to me, and that is don't do this alone. Mm. So, so one, one great way to get a handle on your own branding, talk to people who know you well, talk to people who've worked with you as well, who may not know you personally necessarily, but have worked with you and ask them when you think of me, what are a couple of words that come to mind? Now you have to, you have to be willing to hear whatever they have to say. So you have to maybe thicken up your skin a little bit before you ask the question, but it's very important information. So when you think of me, what do you think of? Or when we worked together, even 10 years ago, what was, what was something we did together that you found memorable or What was something I brought to the table that you found useful? And start collecting that information. You'll start building a profile that has very little to do with your hard skills Mm. and more to do with who you were in that situation, what people's experience of you was. That's what you're trying to collect. So were you the kind of person who was a good listener, easier, easy to collaborate with? a resourceful person, um, the kind of person who goes the extra mile. I often suggest that people try to recall, did anyone have a good nickname for you or a <laughs> metaphor that they used to refer? That's great. I love that. I love Metaphors that. are a great way. In fact, I always suggest that people use a metaphor in the summary section on their LinkedIn profile or their resume. And those are the kinds of things that an interviewer will pick up on in a heartbeat, you know, Someone who might say, you know, I'm the kind of person who brings order out of chaos. They're going to want to hear more about that rather than, um, you know, I'm a multitasker. There's some (laughs) kind of phrase that actually means nothing. means nothing. Um, You're right. I love love what you're saying. It flex a lot on my personal philosophy that my favorite movie, it's not I'm not the only one. It's a wonderful life. You know, we don't realize – how much we've impacted people, hopefully positively. And then we take stock and do what you're talking about, working from the inside out. Boy, it brings a whole new perspective to uh, to what we're doing. There's another important aspect, and there's tons of stuff in the book that people will read it, I'm sure, and find interesting. Path and the uncertainty. Those are two mm-hmm. different segments, but they kind of interrelate. The yeah. path is not necessarily linear for anything in life, as you learn when you get older, when you're young, you think right right to the top, but it doesn't work that way. And then the uncertainty, and uh, again, the fear comes in. Just uh, share with us your thoughts on those two things. 
Well, let's start with the path. So I think, you know, many of us were raised to think about kind of a, a linear progression of how our life goes, right? We were growing up as children, we're going to school, we're preparing to have the, the skills and the tools we need to become a grown-up. And what does it mean to become a grown-up? Most of us were taught, well, you're going to grow up, you're going to have some kind of a, a profession and a family. And these are the, you know, the very traditional kinds of messages many of us were given. And you're going to go to work and then maybe you're going to increase your responsibility and you're going to find that, that pathway. And it, it sounds very linear. Um, and I think the model that many of our parents gave us was very true to that. I know my, my father had the same job in the same profession for over 30 years. And I was very fortunate in that he actually loved what he did for work. My mother as well had the same profession for 20 years and she really enjoyed what she did. So I had great role models for work. They, they taught me that work was something that you could find meaningful and enjoyable. Um, not everybody had those role models, but they might have the role model of you stick with it and you stay there and you keep going and you hope that you get the promotions and the raises and you you stick with it. We don't live in a world like that now at all. It just barely, barely exists. But many of us, even the younger generations, still have that that kind of scheme in their minds. It's almost like it's in our DNA that we still have that expectation. And so when we start to deviate from that, or we start to think, gee, I don't really like this that much anymore. There's a little narrative in our head that says, am I a failure because I don't want to do this anymore? Or, or the other scenario is I've already put 20 years into this. How could I possibly walk away from it? Am I a fool? And so there's all this, you know, very self-critical talk that goes on in our minds about, What's wrong with me if I don't want to stay on this path? So there's that whole scenario. Then some of us, and I profile some people in the book, who were on that very linear path, and boom, one day something happens very suddenly. Uh, one, of, one of my the people I profiled was a gentleman who had been reached a senior vice president of marketing and sales for a major pharmaceutical he went out for a bike ride one day and got slammed by a SUV, nearly got killed. It's my guest, Michael O'Brien. And he, this, uh, obviously this accident changed his life. And fortunately, he's still with us. Mm. And he did go back to his corporate life, but he was never the same again. Yeah, you have to take that zigzag that's forced upon you. It, it's so true. And yeah. again, I hate to keep coming back to the fact that we're older Americans, but older Americans understand you live through experiences. You gain so much insight and you realize there is nothing wrong with uncertainty. It's what we base our lives on the older we right. get. Yeah. Well, and how we deal with it. So... So another another one of the stories I profile is a gentleman who came to this country with literally nothing in his pockets, came from a war zone in Central America as a as a very young person, was able to get educated here and became a, a, a college professor and then got a brain tumor. Had brain surgery. It affected his cognitive abilities. 
Mm. And he could no longer function as a professor. And then on top of it, his wife left him. Mm. And stuff happens. You know, he had to start all over. <laughs> stuff happens, right. And you're given right. an opportunity. It doesn't feel it at the time, perhaps, but it becomes an opportunity, a new window to, uh, to yep. open. Uh, speaking of conversations, uh, you have your own podcast, which is called Work from the Inside Out. And yes. every week you have an opportunity to, to chat further with real live people who have been doing yeah. this. Yes, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I love talking to people about their careers and their work and the activities, <clears throat> excuse me, and the activities that they engage in that are meaningful to them and how they make those decisions. Because usually you learn about the internal dialogue that they've had with themselves to get there. And I love sharing those stories because my goal is really to inspire other people to find their best life or their best livelihood and, and hope that they can see what's possible in their lives and hope that not that they have to mirror what someone else's story is, but that, they get even a little nugget out of someone else's story and say, well, if they could do that, I, maybe maybe there's something out there for me, too. The value of doing what you do, but also recording it, and in this case, writing it in book form, is that uh, you're sharing your talents and, and the people you know. And that's the beauty of what we do in this realm, on the podcast realm. And I really, really advise people to check out Work from the Inside Out. And as I say, uh, Tammy, you couldn't be in a more important place in terms of time and situation to help people because this is decision time for a lot of people, crossroads time. And I, I think it's important for us to know that there are Tammy Guler lobes out there who can help. So, uh yeah. Thank Good you. job. And uh, by the way, your your website is your name. Let me spell it. T-A-M-M-Y, Guler, G-O-O-L-E-R, Loeb, L-O-E-B, dot com, right? That's yes. how people can find out. That's right. And, you and you're, still, you're still doing counseling and training and mm-hmm. coaching. Yes, I, I am. I do, I do career transition coaching, job search, and executive coaching. I work with a lot of people who are already placed somewhere and want to be growing themselves as leaders or finding themselves wanting to be more effective where they already are. I feel very strongly about people finding their way into a a happier and healthier place within wherever they are already working. Well, to quote Mark Twain, there are two very important days in your life, the two most important ones. One is the day you're born, and the other one is the day you figured out why you were born. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> he was a master. I, I'm just quoting the master. Tammy, delighted to meet you, delighted to share with you uh, some thoughts on the work you're doing. And the book is terrific. Work from the inside out, break through nine common obstacles and design a career that fulfills you. We're all for that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jordan. This has been a delight. Thanks again to Tammy Guler Loeb, L-O-E-B. Work from the inside out, break through nine common obstacles and design a career that fulfills you. A book worth checking out. Thanks to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, to Chart Productions in Boston, and to all of you guys out there for subscribing and downloading and rating and reviewing On Mike with Jordan Rich. And to find out more about me and everything that's going on here, visit my website, jordanrich.com. Till next time, remember to be well so you can do good. Take care.